0: The all-electric Kia EV6, with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change
1: me, Yeah, great to have you company, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA. Thanks to Hazen Mardo for the run home. They're back again tomorrow between three and five. And we're here for the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Tool Mart, the complete tool centre, who have been serving WA for over 45 years. Well, some good news today. We had the launch of the United Cup, and uh, that's the big news coming out of Perth for the good all for Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil, Sydney and Perth will host the 2024 edition of the United Cup, and it takes us back to those glory years of the Hopman Cup, where during Christmas and New Year, we all used to head down. Initially, we used to go to the Burswood Dome. Remember that? The Burswood Dome used to house the Hopman Cup, and then, of course, it switched to RAC Arena. Well, RAC Arena will be the venue for the United Cup, and Perth will host six nations, Poland, Spain, one to be decided and included in Group A alongside Poland and Spain, and then Group C, which is the United States, Great Britain. We've got Australia here, Alex Diminor, and of course, Anna Tomlanovic will represent the Aussies, and in Group B, the Czech Republic, China, and Serbia with the world number one, Novak Djokovic, heading Serbia. So it's going to be an exciting time for tennis fans and sports fans as we see top-flight tennis return to RAC Arena. So Poland, Spain, United States, Great Britain, Australia, Czech Republic, China and Serbia, together with another nation to be released. We'll make up uh, the Perth leg. In Sydney, by the way, they have Greece, Canada, France... Italy, Germany, Croatia, the Netherlands and Norway with also another nation to be announced. So it's going to be a great period over Christmas and New Year. Again, to get back that we came accustomed to doing, watching top flight tennis at RAC Arena. And uh, the big news today with the launch, all thanks to Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested, and first cold-pressed in Northern Victoria. Now, very shortly, I'm going to speak to Kate Harvey from the WA Cricket Association, the head of high performance, to find out, because I spoke to him last week on the program, spoke to Jai Richardson, and he was feeling so good about his body, but he's now suffered another injury while fielding for WA second 11 last week, with his imminent Sheffield Shield return now delayed. We'll find out how serious the injury is, how long he's likely to be out from Kate Harvey. He's going to join us a bit later on. By the way, he made 85 for WA's second 11 uh, and also 25 in Adelaide last week. Bold eight overs in the first innings, including three maidens, and he was looking okay. But it's understood he dislocated his shoulder while diving in the field. He's done that a couple of times. He's injured himself in the field. But anyway, Kate Harvey will bring us up to date with that. And then later on in the program, uh, I enjoy doing these. I don't enjoy the subject matter because it involves somebody that has passed. But I'm going to put a tribute together later on to Sir Bobby Charlton, who probably was the biggest figure. He was knighted by the Queen, the biggest figure to come out of probably the, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, sporting franchise in the world, Manchester United, who are a global brand. And so Bobby Charlton was at the head of that global brand. Survived the Munich air crash where eight people died, including many of his teammates. Was there when England won the 1966 World Cup, their only World Cup success. And really played with some of the greats of the game. So we're going to pay tribute to Sir Bobby Charlton. And I'll be speaking to someone later in the program that knew him, knew him very well and played alongside him at Old Trafford and also uh, was a very good friend of his. So we'll uh, pay tribute to Sir Bobby Charlton who passed away across the weekend. But first, let's get into the top five at five. Thanks to Novus. There's a Novus Auto Glass near you. 13, 22, 34. Let's go five through to one.
0: Number five. With a huge amount of brake issues, seemingly losing his cool, uh, is going to end up with the win after all. And it's a win that keeps up his run in the United States, and he will become the first driver ever in Formula One history to win three times in a single country in the same season. The 200th race of the hybrid era goes to Max Verstappen and a 50th Grand Prix win and a win in the United States Grand Prix for the three-time world champion. Yes,
1: Mac Verstappen winning the US Grand Prix to claim his 15th victory of the season and 50th overall and a day to forget for the Australian drivers. After a rare mistake in qualifying cost in pole position, Verstappen had to bide his time and work his way through the field after starting in sixth. But as for Aussie rookie Oscar Piastri, unfortunately he was forced to retire from the race in the early stages due to cooling issues. With his McLaren.
0: Number four. West Wind blows at the 200, without a fight, runs on, lays in on top of Gold Trip. West Wind blows 100 to go, without a fight, coming at it, without a fight. West Wind blows, the hits in unison, without a fight, without a fight for the Caulfield Cup, narrowly from West Wind blows and Gold Trip.
1: Yes, yeah, one of the big races in the spring carnival, the Caulfield Cup, without a fight, ridden by Mark Zara. Winning the $5 million race, edging West Wind blows into second place. In what was a real brilliant finish, the pre-race favourite, Gold Trip, who had been a doubt to run earlier in the day over concerns from trainers over his firmness of the track, finished third over the 2,400-metre course.
0: Number three.
1: Suppose if any fighter could weaponise pace and cardio without a training camp, it would be Volkanovski, but that does figure to be a tough proposition. belongs to the Russian. I mean, and Islam set this up beautifully.
2: He was going to the body. He went to the inside leg kick as well. And that right hand
0: is up high. It's in the right place. He just goes right over top of it. Bam! Right off the temple. Splits the eyebrow open. And Volkanovski did his best to even try to get back in
2: here, but just eating these hammer fists. (laughs) Unreal performance.
1: A lot of people packed, I know, Crown and other areas around WA in the early hours of Sunday morning to see Alexander Volkanovsky's audacious bid to win a UFC lightweight title on less than two weeks notice uh, fail as he was spectacularly knocked out by the champion Islam Makachev in the first round of their rematch in Abu Dhabi.
3: Number two. United have got Ben Vigor on the run now. Sadler, Charlton...
0: Is Aston
1: Charlton. It's got oh, what this is by United? Yes, uh, that was Sir Bobby Charlton, known as Bobby Charlton, scoring a couple of goals where Manchester United beat Portuguese team Benfica in the European Cup of
0: 67. Number one. And that's a magnificent 21st one day international century. for
3: down early but he's made the most of the opportunity that has been granted to him on one of the biggest stages nice placement wonderful placement now Mitchell Mars celebrates as well only his second in ODIs on his birthday the best gift he could give to himself
1: Yes, what a moment it was with Dave Warner and Mitchell Marsh scoring centuries to help Australia to a big Cricket World Cup win against Pakistan. But as we know, uh, Travis Head now has arrived in the subcontinent and has been cleared to open the batting for Australia in their next match against the Netherlands, which means that Mitch Marsh will probably drop down to number three, even after that record-breaking 250-run opening stand that helped Australia to nine for 367 in Friday's clash against Pakistan. Certainly was uh, one for the ages. It was brilliant batting by both Dave Warner and Mitchell Marsh. That's our top five at five. It's all thanks to Novus Autoglass. Don't let your old windscreen end up as landfill. Call Novus Autoglass 13 22 34. We'll find the latest on Jai Richardson and also a couple of other cricket matters with the head of the West Australian Cricket Department. We're talking about Kate Harvey. He's going to join us next here on Sports Day WA.
0: The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day.
1: Yeah, great to have your company. here. You can join us any time on the Tempera Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. We'll give us a call on the open line, thirteen twelve fifty five. 55. Great to have your company on the program. And I was a bit uh, disappointed, actually. I was even a bit shocked to, after speed to him on the program last week, Jai Richardson, to find out that he's injured himself once more and I wanted to get to the bottom of it and see exactly where he's at because he's such a, a talented young man that's just not getting a fair break at the moment because of injury, and he's having long stints on the sidelines. So I thought I'd give Kate Harvey, who's the General Manager of High Performance at the WACA, a call, and maybe Cade can bring us up to date on how Jai is. Kate, thanks for your time. No worries, Pete. He can't take a trick at the moment, can he?
2: No, nah, it's a bit rough after a long hamstring uh, recovery and, and getting back into some cricket to, to pop his shoulder like he did last week uh, on his you know, sort of planned return um, is disappointing for him. But, um, yeah, look, it's one of those things. Obviously, having injured that shoulder in the past, um, there's a bit of history there It's affected his throwing in the past. But, yeah, um, yeah I think at the, it's at the lower end of what a, of what a dislocation can be. And um, we're pretty hopeful we can get him back out there bowling soon enough.
1: So he's been cleared of any structural damage.
2: Oh, I think essentially, when you dislocate your shoulder, you do a, a, a you know, a, a minimum degree of. Um, there's a minimum degree of damage in there um, that you sort of do when you, when you pop your shoulder. But it was certainly at the lower end of, um, of the injury itself. Um, it popped back in pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, the damage around the shoulder joint itself is is better than it could have been. Um, so we're just working with CA now, given his a. A contracted player, and you know he's got international cricket on the horizon. Where we're working with them at the moment around um, what a return to play looks like, whether that's whether they're planning for him playing Test cricket this summer or being part of the Australian team in the T20 series in India. We're not sure, so we're just trying to get a, a read on that, and then and then help him prepare um, for what his next assignment would be. But thankfully, that's a That's certainly sooner rather than
1: later. Mm. He was fielding in that second eleven match for WA against South Australia in Adelaide last week. Uh, Was he a chance, because I know WA play Adelaide or South Australia in a Sheffield Shield match uh, later this week there in Adelaide. Was he a chance to stay in Adelaide and maybe be part of that Sheffield Shield team had he got through unscathed?
2: Yeah, he would have come home. He would have played the game Monday to Thursday. Our guys came home Thursday night after the second eleven, which is a a really good game of cricket. Um, yeah, he would have come home, but he certainly was in our plan to play Shield 3, which is the game against South Australia. So that was um, certainly in the forecast for him as part of that return. Um, but what that looks like now is, is obviously he's not playing this game. And, um, yeah, as I said before, probably determined by what, what Cricket Australia sort of see as his short-term plans around where he plays his cricket as to how we how we prepare him over the next little bit to to return to bowl. So, um, yeah, that's something that we, you know, with those high-profile players who have got, who are contracted higher up the food chain, um, that's sort of part of the process.
1: Mm. He's such a respected young man. He's a terrific young uh, cricketer and individual. Uh, have you spoken to him and how's he handling it all?
2: Yeah, I haven't spoken to him since he's been back, certainly been in contact over or seen him... In the last few weeks, and he was up and about and, and buzzing just to be playing cricket again. So it's really disappointing on a personal level, and that's certainly the the sense or the feeling you have when you first when I first found out that he that he that he'd injured his shoulder again. It was just a you know just a um, great deal of empathy for him, given that I've you know watched him over the last last nine months just slogging out rehab. You know, small groups, sometimes by himself, and even today he was in in at the wacker and he's running by himself. So you sort of feel for him a little bit. In that, that's been his life for the last nine months, and he just wants to play cricket. You know, he's got himself in good shape and he's raring to go. I think he rolled eight overs in the second 11 game, and, um, you know, we've seen that he doesn't need a huge amount of cricket or a round amount of prep to to have an impact, as we saw in the start of last year's Big Bash and even um, when he came back for us last year in one-day cricket. So, um, yeah, really feel for him. but um, And he's had a few um, hard blows in the last couple of years. But, um, yeah, we still feel like he's still a young man and he's still got plenty of cricket in front of him.
1: Yeah, let's hope he gets back on the track uh, really soon. Cam Green has decided to take a break during the the BBL. Uh, I think the last time I spoke to you, you said if he's going to play Uh, Big Bash cricket. He'll play for the Perth Scorchers, even though there's been overtures by the Brisbane Heat, reportedly. He's decided to take a break uh, just to get himself recharged. He's only 24 years of age, and I gather with all the cricket he's played, he might be a fraction fatigued.
2: Yeah, look, I think that's the case. It's probably I don't know that he's sort of got a prescribed break from the Big Bash. I just think that when it came to signing a contract and and committing to playing the Big Bash... um, now, given that we've been having these talks over the last few months, um, he just didn't feel like he was ready to commit to wanting to play and sign a contract. So, um I think it makes sense that if he's not playing, you know, we're still hopeful that he's in the test team and um, and even if he's not, um, that might be a time where he does have a does have a bit of a break. But um, that's I don't think that formal decision's been made on his behalf. Um, it's really just feeling like he didn't want to commit to that. Um, this far out from the tournament, given the heavy sort of last 12, 18 months that he's had. So we're really confident that if um, that if Greeny does play Big Bash, it'll be for the Perth Scorchers, but um, it'll be um, a decision made a bit further down the track when he's sort of had a chance to assess if he's playing test cricket, if he's played more cricket in the World Cup, um, if he's played T20s in India, all of the above. So I think, um, yeah, I think he's had a long 12, 18 months and and didn't want to overcommit. Mm. Um, to playing big past this far
1: out. Cam Bancroft has had a, a sterling start to the season, uh, the Sheffield Shield campaign. He's hitting runs galore apart from great cricket on the weekend where he got a, a quack, but <laughs> um, he must be really firming as uh, maybe possibly playing a test cricket next year if uh, something opens up in regards to maybe Dave Warner's imminent retirement.
2: Yeah, Warner's put it on the agenda, David Warner's put it on the agenda as to how he'd like to, to sort of end his test career, which, you know, in part, I think he's, he's earned that right. Um, and, and there's an opportunity there. I think Kawaj is of the same age. So there's probably two two spots over the next 12, 18 months, um, of which I think Cam would be right up there. I think Matt Renshaw's doing really well um, for Queensland. He's a good player. He's gone back up the top of the order for Queensland where he spent a bit of time in the middle order. But, you know, I think between Cam and, and Matt Renshaw, they've got two guys who are hungry for runs and are doing well. And, and putting their name up in lights. Marcus Harris is the other one. He's probably battled a little bit early on in the start of the summer, but, um, yeah, I think that those two guys will probably battle it out, and it's probably just a matter of the order in which they get their opportunity, potentially, based on um, how the Aussie team is set up over the next uh, 12 months or so. And
1: we saw uh, Mitch Marsh on his 32nd birthday score that fantastic 100 against Pakistan in the World Cup match uh, the other day. He and Dave Warner sharing in about, what, 250-plus run opening stand. Travis Head's arrived, and now he looks like probably dropping down to number three. Do you think that'll impact him at all, or how do you think he'll handle that after being so successful in the last couple of matches at the top of the order?
2: Oh, I think that's probably Mitch's right spot. I think he's done as Mitch tends to do. He does whatever the team asks him to do, and that was opening the batting. Um, But I think you know i think if you said to most people Mitch included that 3 or 4 is probably his natural spot and um and i think he will make a, a good fist of that um especially in those conditions but i think that's that that suits him and i think you know travis head was going really well and you know as i said mitch mitch was really just filling a gap in the short term knowing that they they'd, they'd retain travis head in the in the squad and were really keen to get him back into the team so it makes sense you know it's it's um you know you see the difference when the openers get off to a good start like what they did in the last game compared to uh, maybe a few games before where we're, we're probably asking the question, um, when's Travis Head coming back? Um, so it does mm. change quickly. But um, I think Mitch is, is, is well suited to anywhere, really, in the batting lineup, um, and, and whether that's three or four, um, you know, I think that'll, that'll strengthen that Australian lineup for sure.
1: Good on you, Kate. Thanks for bringing us up to date, mate. Much appreciated. Uh, you do uh, make it easy for us. And so when we give you a call, you you, ca- you come on board and you, you bring us up to date with what's happening down there at the wacker. Thanks for your time. No worries.
2: Anytime. Cheers, Pete.
1: Good man. Uh, Kate Harvey, the general manager of... Uh Elite performance down there at the WACA ground. For Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. If you haven't heard, the Diamonds suffered a second straight Constellation loss, but they've still taken the series win thanks to massive victories here in Australia. The Silver Ferns needed to win by 17 goals or more to claim the cup for just a third time, but their 53-50 to 50 victory wasn't enough in Auckland. It was a brilliant fight back by the Ferns, who trailed by as many as six goals before a stunning final quarter effort. That update thanks to Polaris. Plate clearance deals on now. Save $2,000 on the range of 1,000 EPS plus get $1,000 free accessories. We'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment here on Sports Day WA.
0: The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day.
1: Don't forget, you can join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today. Of course, they're in action on Friday against the Brisbane Bullets. And the leg up is Australia's fastest growing tipping service. And we're looking at uh, tomorrow, Kitan Race 3, number nine, Mauricio. Now, this filly has been knocking on the door in all three of her career starts. While she's yet to shake the monkey off her back, she's been in the minor money, all of them, beaten by a couple of smart gallopers, including Sunset Dreaming and Floozy, who are both nominated for stake races at the Valley this weekend. Wendy Kelly has taken her time with her, but she finally looks to get to a suitable distance now, third up into her preparation. She'll get to her chance tomorrow. So that's Kiton Race 3, number nine, Mauricio, and get a leg up on the bookies with Australia's fast-growing tipping service, thelegup.com.au. Now, let's get a few sports headlines before we have that tribute to Sir Bobby Charlton. Don't miss it. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it and speaking to a man that knew him very, very well. To save time and water, Ira is here, and uh, Tim Payne on SEN Breakfast in Tasmania today spoke about David Warner and said that Dave Warner is Australia's greatest ever White ball batter.
0: But we haven't got time for that, Tim. Let's go to the next question. If David Warner keeps this current form up and helps Australia make a deep tournament run, where would he rank among Australia's all-time ODI batters?
4: I would say, regardless of whether he keeps his current form up, he's at the top. Very top. I would say he is... What's that say? ODI batters. I would say he is the best white ball batter Australia's ever had. Yep. Ever. Huh. And, I, and I'm and i putting him very, very close to the top ODI batter as well. I don't think there'd be too many batters that would average more in one-day international cricket than David Warner. Yep. I'd say there's probably one or two. And I know that one of them's Mike Hussey, who batted down the order for a lot. So he'd have more not out. So his average is likely to be high. But I think David Warner's played like 150-something. Scored about 6,000 ODL a run. 6,500, I reckon. Ricky Ponting scored like 13. But he played 370. So he's played more than double the games. He averaged about 41. David Warner's averaging about 45, 46 as we speak. And I would imagine of all the people on that top run scorer's list, barring maybe an Aaron Finch, his strike
1: rate would be far superior.
4: Best white ball batter we've had. Big. Top of the tree. Hard to argue, though. Top of the tree.
1: Good on you, Tim Payne there, talking on SEN there in Tasmania on the Brecky show this morning. Max Gorn, the Melbourne skipper, had to come out and was nabbed by Channel 7 News in Melbourne to talk about Melbourne's culture after what's happened recently.
0: There's been some stuff over the last few weeks, but I feel like this happens in most clubs. Um, there's adversity here, adversity there. Obviously, our adversity all come at once. I'm certainly very bullish on the culture we've built over the last three or four years, that it can withstand adversity like this, and um, we're able to get in the top four again like we have the last three years.
1: Yep. Yeah, so Max Gorn talking about, of course, uh, Smith and Oliver and others that have just got themselves into a bit of a, a, a sticky situation in recent times. And I can tell you that... Uh, the other story that's come through, as I mentioned at the top of the program, that men's world number one, Novak Djokovic, and women's number two, Egos Swiatek will star in the New Look United Cup event in Sydney and Perth to launch the 2024 Australian Open campaigns. And what's exciting is that uh, Novak will be coming here to Perth as part of the Serbian team. Australia will be led by Alex Minaur and Isla Tomlanovic. Uh, with $15 million in prize money, up for grabs. Uh, The days of the old Hopman Cup are going to return. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, we pay special tribute to probably the, the icon of one, if not the world's biggest sporting brand. We're talking about Manchester United. Our tribute to Sir Bobby Charlton comes up next here on Sports Day WA.
0: The all-electric Kia EV6, with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day.
1: Welcome back to Sports Day WA. As I mentioned at the top of the program, I'm going to allocate this segment of the program to one of the greats of the world game. As you may have heard, Manchester United is in mourning following the passing of Sir Bobby Charlton, one of the greatest and most beloved players in the history of the club. Sir Bobby was a hero to millions, not just in Manchester or the UK, but wherever football is played around the world. He was admired as much for his sportsmanship and integrity as he was for his outstanding qualities as a footballer. Now, Sir Bobby will always be remembered as a giant of the game. He was a graduate of the Manchester United Youth Academy, he played 758 games, scored 249 goals during his 17 years as a Manchester United player, winning the European Cup, three league titles, and the FA Cup. For England, he won 106 caps, scored 49 goals, and won the 1966 World Cup, the only World Cup England have won. Following his retirement, he went on to serve the club with distinction as a director for 39 years. Let's pick it up as we pay tribute, because very shortly I'll be speaking to a gentleman who knew Sir Bobby Charlton well, played with him and kept in contact with him, and will relive his life with this individual. He's coming up shortly. But first, let's go back to the 1966 World Cup. Jeff Hurst scored two goals. The first one was a controversial one. You'll hear from him, Sir Bobby and so Bobby's brother Jack.
4: He whipped the ball in. I'd made the run to the near post and um, it came slack I made it too early, came behind me and hit it on the half turn and fell on my backside and had the worst view in the stadium when it came down from the crossbar. So I didn't really see it. But the the person with the best view was Roger Hunt.
3: The Germans went crazy, you know. It's not crossed the line. And even today I go into Germany and and they show pictures of it and, and they say, oh, but the goal, the third goal, Bobby, you know. I said, well, some could say that it, it's, it's never been proven that it was in or whether it was out. And But had they had the technology, you know, it would have been perfect, but it, it, they didn't have it. And the, the referee, the linesman, the linesman gave a goal.
1: 3-2, England had stolen the lead. Another grueling 20 minutes to hold on. Slowly, Wembley began to fill with the whistles of the crowd As the final seconds ticked by, Ramsey's men battled exhaustion as they tried to hold firm. And Bob ran between
3: him in the middle of our half, and he ran on, stopped, checked, touched the ball with his foot, had a look up, saw Jeff first running away, dropped the ball over Jeff's right hand shoulder, and Jeff just knocked it on and went and took it. And he, and, and according to Jeff, he tried to kick it into the stands and went to the top corner of the goals.
4: I knew the game was finished almost. I just meant to hit it as hard as I could. And if it went beyond the bar and the sand that went really into the crowd, it would take a few seconds to, uh, for the game to be over. And I just, that's all I meant to do. So, um, but fortunately it went in.
1: Yes, so England won the 1966 World Cup. Uh, Years before that, a young Bobby Charlton was on a plane that was headed back to the UK. But as we know, we heard about the Munich air disaster that claimed eight of his teammates. Bobby was one of the survivors. And
3: we were leading 3-0 at halftime, which it seemed everything was okay. In the garden was rosy. But uh, they came back and got three goals and we, we hung on. And qualified and we we're all extremely happy very very happy you know it was, it was just a lot of young lads celebrating and, and enjoying what they're good at playing football and and it was marvelous and of course we we had to stop it at munich airport to refuel and of course the accident happened we had three three attempts to take off and the third time we went straight through the perimeter fence and and, um, and the tragedy happened, you know, it was a major crash
1: and then so many people were killed. They were travelling from Belgrade via Munich back to London and, as we know, Busby's babes were born on the back end of that Munich air tragedy. Current Manchester United captain... Harry Maguire had to say this about the late Sir Bobby Charlton.
2: We obviously found out preparing for the game this afternoon and, um, yeah, really sad time uh, for the club. Um, A great player for our club, but more importantly, an amazing person. He used to come in a lot after the the games into the dressing room and uh, you could really see um, the respect and the aura that he brought
1: and, yeah, the smiles that he put on people's faces. So we're going to miss him um, and our thoughts are out with his family and his loved ones. Harry Maguire talking after Manchester United's 2-1 win at Sheffield United at the weekend. But they return to Old Trafford this weekend, the first home game since the passing of Sir Bobby Charlton. And Peck Guardiola is the manager of Manchester City. It's the Manchester derby. And this is what he had to say ahead of this
5: fixture coming up. Condolences for all of us, for his family especially. And... uh... And I think uh, next next week when we will go there in Old Trafford, the first time like now, we will be present to make a, a first tribute. No, I, I love this country for many things, but one of the things how they take care of the legends of each club, you know. They are part of the club and they travel and they represent and I think Sir Bobby Charlton represents United English football like anyone else.
1: So there you go, Manchester City manager Pep Guardiola talking ahead of what is going to be a significant, emotional and moving match uh, this weekend at Old Trafford when Manchester United take on Manchester City. As I said at the top of the program, I'm going to speak to a gentleman who was at Manchester United between 1965 and 1972. He made well over 100 appearances for the Red Devils And you, Sir Bobby Charlton, very well indeed. I'm talking about Francis Burns and Francis joins us on the program now. Francis, thanks for your time.
5: My pleasure, Peter, as always.
1: You know what I remember, Francis, and the reason I wanted to get you on, when we went collectively, you and I, to 1996 to do the FA Cup final between Manchester United and Liverpool, I remember yourself taking us up to the director's box at Old Trafford. And Sir Bobby was in there when he opened the door and uh, you were greeted with open arms with the likes of Sir Bobby Charlton, Dennis Law and so many other dignitaries in that chairman's lounge where very few people are allowed to actually go in. But they opened the door for you. And uh, it was certainly a a lasting memory for me Uh, and it just showed me also how that club honours they're past champions. You must have felt very humbled on that occasion.
5: Yes, um, actually, I've, you know, after the the events of last weekend, um, I thought about it very, you know, every all, every minute of the day. I think, and I was actually going to mention this that trip because I remember when we went on the Saturday and we wanted to interview Bobby after the game, and they said, oh, "I'm busy." Say, can you come to my office on Monday morning? And I remember us going over to his. He had a travel agency business, and we were there at nine o'clock or whatever it was. And when we walked in, and we were waiting, and they came to see us, and they said, uh, "He said, sorry, guys. He said, but you know, I said I can't give you a lot of time. And I've never seen an expression on a man's face like yours when your chin drops so far that it nearly touches your knee. And then he said, I can only give you half an hour." And which, <laughs> And they changed completely, and I was looking at a man with the biggest grin on his face that I've ever seen and Of course, how as humble as Bobby is, I think that proved even in that little mini second that he turned someone's opinion of or someone made them relax right away on what what he was wanting you used to do and of course the the interview came, and it was one of the best that um, I've spoken to you often for the since the years and uh, one of the best that you've ever seen and done. So, yeah, I remember it, it made Peter as if it was yesterday and wish it was yesterday.
1: <laughs> very special uh, time in my media career, very special time in my life, and I had the privilege of sharing it with you, Francis. But you knew, knew the man very well. Uh, that meeting after many years of you and Sir Bobby was just fantastic as a person like myself to see how much you had love and admiration for each other. Gee, he loved that club, didn't he?
5: Absolutely, and I think you know when we, we go back in the history of the club, you know when um, he he only he came in the just over the 50s after the 50s after they'd won the cup in 48, which was the first trophy they'd won for we don't know how long, and of course then that's when Sir Matt started the um, youth policy, and of course Bobby, as we have we known, ended up at 19 going in 58 to Munich and our, it was in the, the Munich disaster and. And how he came about from that is, and I remember him being on the This Is Your Life show and um, Michael Parkinson asked him, so he said, but you've never really spoken to it. So I said, but I've always wondered, all I've ever wondered is why me? Why was I one that survived? You know, there were so very few of the players and of course he played in that first game against Sheffield Wednesday um, um, in weeks, you know, two or three weeks after the the disaster. People like Shay Brennan, who ended up taking my place in the 68 European Cup final, playing the outside left and scored two of the goals that night. And hopefully, I would think that Sir Matt brought Shea back in because he was at the end of his career as as a payback thing to me, you know. Because and I, and I couldn't have wished to have picked another guy to take my place before that final, and that would have been Shay Brennan.
1: It's interesting, uh, I was talking to you just briefly before coming on air about the 1966 World Cup and what a uh, fantastic team England had. And with the passing of Sir Bobby, very few of that team actually are with us today.
5: Yeah, that's right. I mean, even for a Scotsman to go down, uh, I remember me old, this brother, um, saying, um, get two tickets for the final. I said, no, oh, but it's England that has playing. He said, get two tickets. He said, "Because when how many times will you get the opportunity to go and watch a World Cup final?" And I went down, and I remember George and David Sadler was were sat in a couple of rows in front of us as well, and we all went. You know, that that was fantastic, and I mean, he, he's and he was playing against people like Beck and Barr and so forth that we know are are world are world beaters, and they're together And uh, you know, I think that's he was the catalyst for for all of England's. Great, great goals and great results.
1: How good a player was he, uh, Francis? Tell him, Tell us about uh, the player that Bobby Charlton was.
5: I think it came so natural to him. I, I don't. I, I don't think he realised how good that he was. And I remember saying to you when we were in that conversation with him in his office when he was telling us about. You know, he says, there's not a, there's not a day or a, or a week coming through that there isn't a phone call from FIFA, from UEFA, from Old Trafford, from England FA asking me to do something. And he didn't, and we were stood, sat there listening to him. And we were, we were you know, obviously having the same thoughts and thinking, but you're Bobby Charlton. You mm. know, he didn't, because he, he, he would say, you know, I says I never hear them um, Roger Hunt doing it or Martin Peters or... You Know Ray Wilson, the full back, and, and it and it's just that's how humble the guy was. He just didn't put himself above anybody, he was just one of the guys and one of the players. And and I, I got the I mean, he could he could tell me off as well. He'd I'd done that very early in my career on the first team when I played left back. And I remember being getting the ball from someone whoever it might have been, and I'd be looking down the touch line to knock it down for Brian Kidd or for George Best or something, and he'd come. Sh- in square with with me and he'd shout for the ball and I'd ready to play it to him and he'd, and, then, and then I'd suddenly I'd see two of the, of the oppositions within two metres of him and they'd go and turn back again and just set it down the line and he'd look at me and he'd say, Pass me the ball and then ten minutes later the same thing would happen and I'd do it again and then he'd come over and he'd say, Pass me the ball and then the next time of course I passed it to him and he's dropped his shoulder and these two guys that have were wishing they, they could get near the ball. He dropped his shoulder, turned round, hit the ball, and looked over and hit the ball sixty yards. And George Best over the, the other side of the pitch went, "Thank you very much, Bob. Thank you." <laughs> and that, that was it. And I just, and honestly to myself, and I just put my hands up and I thought, "Mate, you are something something that I've never seen before, and never played before." But you know, it was just it was just so naturally. It was a fantastic um, athlete. I mean, in Man City, and of course, you were talking to the to the manager um, just before that um, they had Colin Bell, and they called him Nijinsky. You know, that was a horse that Lester Piggott won the Derby on, and uh, and Bobby was like that. He was a pure athlete, and when you played him in a in a practice match, May on Trof or Old Trafford or at the Cliff, and the, the Busby wanted to to do something different, and you played against them, you had to guess which way he was going to go past you and you had to be 5 yards away because if you got closer he's gone past you anyway and he was he could run at you and drop his shoulder and no one ever seemed to stop him and he, he was as I, you know I've heard them say before that he he found that passing the ball came simple to him and people got it and then shooting came because he played outside left for England as a left footer and no one knows to this day whether he was a natural right or a natural left. I mean, the guy was just unbelievable. And of course, you know, we talk about the great players and you've you've read the, the tributes that have come to him this week. And um, and we all can't be a liar. We all can't tell lies because he was. He was without doubt. And my brother used to say, I watched George and George could do anything. George could have been a goalkeeper. He could have been a centre-half. He could have played anywhere. But... He was, and he was great, but there's that, there's those few people that are above that 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 title, and Bobby Charlton's one of them. You only, I can only put him in classes with Di Stefano, Puskas, um, the the Dutchman. You know, you know all these these. Guys, there's very few of those. Well, there's nowadays we've got Ronaldo and we've got Messi. Mm. We've got great players, but we've just not got them up there there's you know man city i've got some great players and i love watching them to be honest but they're all and they're all great players but will they end up being legends like this guy was and you know the best in the laws across the city of course and uh but you know they had colin bell they had and, and franny lee who just passed away a couple of weeks ago as well Mike some that they were fabulous players but there was only one or two that could get past that greatness and Bobby
1: Charlton was certainly one of them. Yeah, and uh, we shared a special moment with him. Francis Burns, uh, thank you very much for giving us a great insight to the great man uh, who unfortunately has left us, but gee whiz, the memories will go on forever. May his memory be eternal, and thanks for joining us on the program.
5: Absolutely, mate. They'll never, never go
1: away. Franny, that was brilliant. Well done, mate. That was fantastic. Thank 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 you so much.
5: That, that's good for you. No problems. All Anytime. Right.
1: And I'll see you next time at the Glory. I'll make sure i come should. down and say hi. All
5: right, you will. Okay,
1: Paul. Take care. See you soon. See you, mate. Bye, bye now. Bye. Francis Burns uh, just gave, gave us a great tribute to the great uh, Sir Bobby Charlton. That's the program. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, don't forget that uh, the Beaumont Tiles is giving you away a trip for two to American football's biggest game worth over $70,000. All you need to do is just shop in-store at Beaumont's before November 12th, and you're in with a chance, to these. do apply. Thank you to Jimmy. Uh, thank you to Connor. I'll be back again tomorrow from 5, right here on Sports Day WA.